What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 29 of the Ask LFC podcast. My name is Harrison Gilming, Worship Arts Director here at Lake Forest Huntersville. Hey, and I'm Mike Moses, lead pastor here at Lake Forest, and I've still got my fall allergy season voice going on. <laughs> That's your Barry you White voice. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Oh, welcome yeah. to the podcast. Mm. Uh, Mike and I have made a decision. We're actually shifting the content of the podcast to uh, Carolina Panthers recap talk. So uh, <laughs> got the first win of the season. On yeah. S- yeah. I'm reinterested. Yeah, I uh, know. That was fun. I mean, we probably should not do that with this podcast. We'll shift to actual topics. So um, we are kicking into over this. We First off, the, the main heart of the podcast today, we wanted to wrap up some thoughts related to the series that we just finished called Unity Over Division. So, so Mike has some thoughts from that. But a quick sneak peek first. Mike, where are we about to spend the next month here on Sunday mornings at Lake Forest? Yeah, it just so lines up that for... September, October, November, our sermon series fit within a month, uh, the calendar month. And so uh, October, we are going to do a series called Money Talks. We're going to talk about the, the practicalities of God's teaching in the Bible, His direction for us, His wisdom for us, and His grace for us. And if you handle your finances in God's way, Things tend to go better, less stress, more unity in a house, in a home, um, more attainment of uh, uh, dreams and aspirations. If we don't handle them God's way, uh, the opposite happens. I've got some examples from the pandemic. The pandemic has exposed some people who were unprepared, had been living like typical like normal people, and uh, in a couple of cases doing super well. For a bunch of years and spending 99.9% of that and were unprepared when the the economic winter fell on them of the recession hit their industry or their job. So uh, we're just going to talk about the practicalities. It's not all about giving and I'll include that, but I'm looking forward to that. But we have some other special sauce during this series. Yeah, there's there, there are a couple things that we do uh, at Lake Forest Church that are, these are kind of the, the big uh, marker stones that we see uh, that are evidence of life change in people. And that's uh, that's why, Mike, you and I are excited to to work at a church like Lake Forest because we we really do, not just as a as a saying, we we really do exist to help people discover and live out their role in God's story. And we see evidence of that through a couple things. The first one is baptism. And mm-hmm. this weekend we're going to see some folks being baptized and yeah. where we're taking, you know, we don't want to stop doing it. It's a sign of the times that we're going to have eight separate bowls on stage. We're going to have eight <laughs> separate right. bowls for the baptism. We're not going to do any dunkings. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I don't think so. No. Um, and eight separate little bowls of water. <laughs> so no one's baptized with the same water. Yep. You know, the pandemic is an even an interesting example, Harrison. Of I mean, we could arrange for a, an immersion, but um, to be able to do multiple people on the stage at the same time, uh, it's an example of, like, is the mode of baptism essential? Is it, and some Christians get fired up about that. No, it's immersion only, or you're not even saved, man. Mm-hmm. Or, no, no, it's it's sprinkling. That's the... 
Greek word back to the Hebrew and they sprinkled the stuff on the door threshold for Passover. You know, it's the same word. Um, but, okay, like what do Eskimos do when they get baptized? Yeah. It probably is an immersion, you know. <laughs> but if you live beside a lake, go ahead and dunk yourself. So yep. pandemic is an example of the mode or how much water is not what's important and i'm so encouraged that we're doing baptisms this sunday is god is still changing lives he's still bringing people to himself and he's still offering to you and me to walk closely with him and more closely than yesterday that's right and so i love that now we're going to do something else normally we do baptisms and we have new ministry partners join on the same sunday we're separating them uh in different sundays number one just because technically to keep people distanced and the number of people it requires to be on the stage, we just want to deal with those one at a time and sure. do it safely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even just just kind of behind the scenes, practically speaking, on on an, on normal world times, whenever we do have baptisms and ministry partners joining, we have just an abundance of guests and family members also just even attending yeah, that's the right. service and to filling see up their, the space. Their little next door neighbor, Susie girl get baptized that's or right. to see their, their adult son or daughter join a church. And <laughs> the, what's fun about those Sundays, Harrison is like when 25 to 35 year olds join our church and they've been far from God for a decade. The, the, y'all, this is stuff that, that just comes to me because I'm pastor. I'll stand out in the lobby and all these like grandparent age parents of those 25 to 35 year olds, they'll come up to me with tears in their eyes. Oh, we're so grateful that our 30 year old son and his daughter and our grandkids are now going to be folded into the life of this church. And they're like, they'll cry. Like, I think if I asked them, they would write me a thousand dollar check right there. Would you write me a? <laughs> they're so grateful. It's it's adorable. And they're very often, which is you know, people can rock whatever they want to rock on Sunday mornings. But very often, those folks are definitely decked out in their super Sunday best because yes, they don't yeah. know what to expect yeah. from a church like Lake Forest. And yeah, and all you guys have seen this. So mm-hmm. we're doing that. We're doing baptisms this Sunday, and then. A, a couple weeks later in this October series, we'll have ministry partners join. We've had, uh, again, God has not stopped changing people's lives. He's not stopped bringing people to Lake Forest to invigorate their spiritual journey, either becoming a Christian or starting to grow again as a Christian. And so we've had, um, I just ran the numbers this morning, we've had 80-something people go through online Welcome 101 since the shutdown and we have 64 who are joining. And they won't all be here in person that Sunday. Yep. Um, and same with the baptisms. We're letting people make the decision. So for those who are not don't feel safe coming in person with all of our protocols, we will baptize them in a different way during this season. Yep. We'll, we'll, but we're going we're gonna to find ways to, uh, to keep ministry happening safely and within all of our conscience together. Hey, so. you know, it's interesting. Uh, so this Sunday is baptism, and it's also the once a month we're offering the evening service at mm-hmm. 6 o'clock. We're not calling it the table at this time. We're calling it the evening 6 o'clock outdoor service. 6 o'clock, is that right? 6 o'clock. Um, and it's going to be beautiful weather, and we already have twice as many. It's Wednesday that we're taping this. We already have twice as many people registered for that evening 
Sunday evening service this coming Sunday as any sun, any time we've done it since the pandemic started. That's interesting. Also, last Sunday was the first time we absolutely, you guys filled up the in-person slots. We, we, we had about 160 register. Unfortunately, about 20 people showed up who weren't registered, but we had the room, and so we let them in, but really spread the word so that everybody knows to register ahead of time. Mm-hmm. But we, so we had our full 180 in person at 10 a.m. Uh, and so we're just monitoring that. Mm-hmm. So um, let's, let's, let's pivot here. And uh, Mike, this past Sunday, you, uh, you basically just unpacked a big old block of scripture from the book of Romans. And um, there were, there were some some things in there, like there are from time to time as you prepare uh, a sermon. There's some stuff that um, is is real interesting, but as you're getting into the heart of everything, uh, there's some stuff that that either we ran out of time or it might be a little tangential, interesting mm-hmm. rabbit trail mm-hmm. um, that that could be uh, an interesting tidbit or encouraging, but we just didn't have the space to share. So let's, let's be clear. I ran out of time, uh, in man, I'm a professional and in managing my own time, it, it, I knew that I could. So just in case you missed the sermon, Romans 12, uh, starting at, uh, at verse nine through 21 is a paranesis. It's a collection of, uh, it's not a, an argument that builds from this point to that point, therefore that. It's just, it's a collection, it's like the book of Proverbs of, of sayings that are true under a, a, a certain rubric. And Paul's rubric was, now that God has given us his mercy and we know his grace through Jesus Christ, and we've been transformed into followers of Jesus, children of God. How shall we live? Mm-hmm. And his main rubric is we live the law of love that Jesus spoke. And then verses 9 through 21 is this 25 <laughs> sayings that are like, like picture a diamond with 25 different facets. And the, the diamond is living the law of love, not to earn God's favor or so that God will love me more, or people will think I'm cool. It's in response and powered by God's grace in me through the fruit of the gospel. Um, and so we applied that to uh, how do we live the law of love in harmony, seeking harmony in our church and not allowing division to seep in in a really tough time. And I knew that I couldn't get to all 25 and I think I, pre- I, I appeared more unprepared than I was because I, it sort of came off in the moment like I didn't know which ones I was going to skip. I, I realized I should have telegraphed that a little bit better. I knew what I was going to skip. There were a few of them that I had down as optional yeah. to get to um, if, if we were ahead of time, uh, which we're not whenever I'm preaching. Um, yeah, so uh, I also... Um, in the, Harrison, I think I'll say this to our friends here because I said it to our worship planning team yesterday. I re- um, I felt like at the end of the sermon, I had I, I didn't really follow through on ex- 
the whole promise of the series. The first week, for sure. Romans mm-hmm. 14, disputable matters. In my sermon this week, I felt like I, 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 I didn't go as far as I think I had promised or we had promised in re- really being about unity over division in a tough time. Um, and I honestly, as I told you and the worship team yesterday, worship planning team, my safe space, my comfort food as a professional in this time is to just dive into a passage of Scripture and discover things I've never discovered before. Research the heck out of it and geek out on on some new beauty in God's Word. And honestly, I leaned into my comfort food and did a little more of that. I mean, I was pointed in the sermon about unity over disharmony, but I did more of them enjoying just walking through a passage than staying on task. Uh, and maybe that was for the better. There were plenty of people who said thanks for that sermon, and yeah. hey, I, I didn't even like the manuscript. But anyway, I, I don't know if, if I should admit to that or not. <laughs> that's, that's, that's admittable. You're good. I'm and, a little tired of controversial issues. Yeah, well, I think I think there's a... Um... That, that there's a really strong current. You're not alone in that because I I think with where uh, we've been there there are some. I'll say it this way: uh, we're all wired differently, and I know there are some folks who are engaged to level eleven on the dial, and they are fully dialed in. And there's just some folks uh, by their temperament that are like, I need to catch some air for a second before I dive back into the water. So we're, you know, mm-hmm. to, to the point of the series, uh, you know, we are a diverse church of diverse people and yes. we're all over the map, even as yes. it comes to that. So yes, which, which makes this season, uh, perilous for our church in a little different way than some other churches that are not politically diverse or diverse in their, their singular passion of this part of God's word, whether it's justice, whether it's truth, whether it's what you know, uh, yeah. And I, and I think that leans in as you as you share a couple of these here in a second. I think that that all connects strongly with even what we talked about on the podcast last week, because this this passage of Romans twelve is not uh, Paul arguing. Uh, here's some directions on how to be right the loudest. <laughs> it's, it's it's not the how, opposite of that, isn't yeah, it, Harrison? It's, it's, That's it's, a good. It's not how to be. It's not how to be aggressively right and to stick it in the other person's face about <laughs> how 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 uh, correct you are. It, it is yeah. it is really straight up how to interact with each other in love, even through even through difficult things. I mean, he says right out of the gate. Uh, to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. He's not saying just be nice to everybody. It's not that, mm-hmm. but, but it is, uh, we have a, we, I say we as humans have a tendency to just want to be, uh, loud and right. Some people have that tendency. Others have the tendency to just be nice and, and go along to get along. That's true. Uh, and, and we each need the gospel and God's word to, um, to combat whatever the the more fleshly or lazy or uh, sinful way that that tendency of ours, one direction or the other, could take us, and that's why I think these the again we learned this is a uh, 
perinesis, a collection that's an, a, a form of literature in ancient writings. And by the way, that was one of my little geek out things. I loved messing around with that in a church like ours. We're a jeans wearing, rock and roll playing, every now and then rap singing, mm-hmm. laid back church. And yet we value the life of the mind and engaging scripture from a highly informed manner. And one a little layer in my preaching, when me and Michael and Aaron and Mitch as lead pastors and Victor and Pastor Davis, he sermon plans with us. We always, like in November, here's another snapshot ahead. We're going to have a sermon series on First Peter. We're not going to get to every verse, but it's going to be anchored in First Peter, and we're going to talk about our identity as the people of God, which we think is helpful after the election season. Who are we as the people of God? That's our primary identity. But in First Peter, we'll be teaching content like, okay, this week, the people of God are suffering people. That's part of our identity. But a little subtext that I don't say necessarily openly in the sermon, but I'm trying to teach and model, and I'll say it clearly here, uh, the, the Bible is made up of different types of literature. There's history, books, there's poetic, there's etc. Mm-hmm. There are epistles, there are letters from one person to a group of people. And one of the ways that we honor God's Word and one of the ways that we understand it at a more profound level is when we read each book and each section of it as the form of literature that God inspired it to be. And so so that was part of my method on Sunday that I maybe made too much out of, but was this is Paranesis, and we're going to engage it as Paranesis, as a collected hodgepodge then when all put together, really paint really different pictures. They're, each of the 25 sayings are like a, its own little haiku hmm. on living the law of love, and then we apply it to unity over division. So why don't I jump into a few that I skipped over Let's do it. and we just mess with them. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, and if you, if you guys are still here and on board and would like to hear a little bit of this, a couple of them have some really interesting, uh, one or two of them I'm going to really... Uh, I was prepared to speak pretty heavy to the unity over division thing, particularly in politics, and I'll get to that. But but a couple of them are some, I think, some really interesting historical uh, phraseology references that I didn't know before because I'd never studied this passage in depth. Hmm. So the first one that I skipped was, it was Paranesis number 10, and it's in verse 12. Uh, and it's, we are patient in affliction. Um. And the idea there, patient in affliction, is to persevere. That you can hold up in affliction, any type of affliction, like sorrow, sadness, depression. In this case, we're talking about division and potential division in Christian fellowship. As as specific as your community group, your Oasis Women's group, your Remix group, and your Remix leader, there's going to be some potential for division because people are coming at politics, race, pandemic, the election from different points of view. Points of view that are non-essentials in the Christian faith. We established that very strongly out of Romans 14 the week before. And so affliction, a, a potential, so this says patient in affliction, and the specific affliction here could be that, man, there are people in the church, I might even sense my pastor is a little different from me on a non-essential matter. 
How can I be patient? And he's saying that love exhibits, leans into, now again, this is all the, the, the first part of this section of Romans says, in view of God's mercy, therefore. So in view of God's mercy, I, if I lean into the Holy Spirit, I can be patient in the affliction of differences, strong conviction differences on non-essential matters in my church. This is a facet of love. Um, can you and I, will you and I choose to ask the Holy Spirit for patience with a brother and sister and let God's sovereign providence work it out? I don't have to be in control of all this. I don't have to get mad and try to control my brother or sister or my whole church. They should all agree with me on such and such. Can you and I, Harrison, participate politically under your conscience before God? And you and I should. I hope you vote. And can you do that without despair or freak out? That's be the opposite of patience. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> uh, and so in view of God's mercy, we live in patient affliction, uh, patiently in affliction. Does that ring true? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think it's funny. You see, it's it's almost becomes a little bit of a, of a joke, but... Uh, praying for patience is always a dangerous prayer. <laughs> yeah, we do joke about God, that as God, Christians. If because, you've been a Christian for long, you joke yeah, about that. I mean, and, and in truth, really, uh, you find with a lot of the uh, with a lot of the Christ-like characteristics that we develop, they are a, a lot of them developed more than they don't really arrive at us fully formed. So as we pray yeah. for to be patient, okay, that's super helpful. That connects right into this. Uh, and if I were a good preacher, I would have thought of that. Um, like, so when my community group, you, if your community group friend comes out with a political view that's different than yours, walking in the Spirit in the law of love in view of God's mercy would mean instead of getting pissed off, how could they? I'm so disappointed in them. It could be, okay, Lord, I asked you for patience. This is the moment. Uh, and then whatever that looks like, to lean into the Spirit and engage them out of the fruit of the Spirit, mm-hmm. not the fruit of the flesh. Okay, um, the next one I skipped was uh, uh, practice hospitality, which is, uh, what verse was that? That was 13, 13 yeah. verse 13. Practice hospitality. Okay, this is kind of interesting to me. Uh, I've known this, but uh, I knew I was going to skip this one, by the way. Um, so I'll just tell you what I remember from uh, my reading. I didn't have it written down, but um, hospitality to us is a very firm concept. Having friends over for dinner in our home, and it's nice, and the candles are lit, and it's clean, and and they feel welcome, and that's a really good thing. And that's included in the biblical word hospitality. However, the Bible word hospitality is a much, it's a different concept. It includes mostly very different from that. This was a society in which there were very few, if any, hotels. If you recall from the from the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, uh, the translation uh, "there was no room in the inn" was the popular translation for years. the The literal word there is "there was no room in the Cataluma." I, I did a whole sermon on this. Um, the Cataluma actually means the guest room or mm. the side room of a house. Um, same thing when Jesus and his disciples had their last supper 
in the upper room. It was an upper Cataluma. It, it, it was it's the same word. Really interesting. Hmm. So it's not like it was a hotel, but it was someone practicing hospitality. And it could be your family, um, but generally... People traveling, this is, everybody knows this. You understand that there's this Middle Eastern view of, uh, there's this code, and it was Hebrew in the Old Testament, but it's also even down to today in the Middle East, this code of, of openness of your home to travelers who don't have anywhere to stay. They need food, you're, you need to feed them, and it's a code of honor. It's dishonor to turn someone away. But it, it mostly related to strangers, Harrison. You don't know who's traveling through, and they just happen. Sundown is in your town, and there. And I don't. I don't recall how you would connect up with this need, but hot, practice hospitality meant there was a stranger, and Paul was in particular in this passage talking about Christians for one another, and Christians as a persecuted minority. I I, I would think that his emphasis here was practice hospitality with traveling Christians who are in danger anyway. Hmm. It certainly, however, in other parts of the scriptures applies to anyone. <clears throat> so this unity over division aspect of that might apply, not necessarily opening your home for somebody who doesn't have a place to stay, although it, it does apply literally to that. Mm-hmm. I think it might apply in, in our subject matter to hospitable to someone with a strange point of view in your life, in your relationship, in your fellowship over a disputable matter. Is that fair? And being able to, being able to look at them and say uh, that we are, we are both sons and daughters of the same family mm-hmm. and we, that's, that's the unity piece of it is saying we are, we are, we are all in the family of God together and we may not agree on these things, mm-hmm. but we at least, um, I mean, even just practically, we are we are our 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 witness for Christ is stronger when we are mm-hmm. when we are together and we're not infighting with each other. Harrison, I'm I have a lot of pastoral appointments these months. I've said that before, and it's really interesting. I, we'll be meeting about somebody's marriage, or their depression, or their desire to grow spiritually, and somewhere in there, a number of them will throw in some really partisan, conservative, political comments about race or politics or one of the candidates. And I just kind of nod my head. And then in the next appointment, one of our members will throw in a comment about some really extreme, progressive, partisan issue or matter. And I just nod my head. My hospitality is to be their pastor and pay attention to what God is doing in their life in their sorrow or their joy and their spiritual journey and to be hospitable irrespective of their views. Um, I guess that's how I apply that. I didn't realize that. Hmm. Um, the next one I skipped was uh, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Verse 14. To bless, of course, means to speak well of, curse, uh, I think one commentary said means to speak doom to. Hmm. I like that. It's Tolkien-esque. Yeah. Speak I doom. speak doom speak to you. doom to you. I am Gandalf. I speak doom to you. Uh, but that's what cursing is. It's, it's not like hitting. 
uh, your thumb classically with the hammer instead of the nail and saying a curse word. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse the person. Do not speak doom to them. Uh, and, and this is specifically about persecution, which we don't understand. And so the reason why I skipped this one with our congregation is pretty hard to apply this to our congregation. Mm-hmm. Persecution is hostility or ill treatment because it, it, now you can make it bigger. It could be hostility or ill treatment because of race, politics, or religion. Now that we certainly, uh, but the people Paul is speaking to here, I, I don't want to misapply this. The people he was speaking to are to be, they're like deathly persecuted for the fact that they worship Jesus and not Caesar. And Paul knows he's on his way to Rome. He says it at the end of the letter to the Roman Christians, he says, hey, by the way, my fondest wish is to come be with you. He got that wish, and it was a death wish. Mm-hmm. People told him, it's, it's recorded in the New Testament, the Corinthian elders of the church there said, Paul, don't go there. No, that was to Jerusalem. There's another time they say, don't go there, you'll, you'll be killed. And he went. Um, so Paul is preparing these Christians and says that love, inspired by, by in view of God's mercy, a gospel-changed heart that is inflamed with the grace of God and full of the Holy Spirit, will bless Emperor Nero rather than curse him. Get this. Probably some of the people who read this letter and it was read to no not probably within a decade they were set aflame Mm -hmm. tied up in a bowl as a garden torch for one of Emperor Nero's uh, iniquitous parties garden parties I've walked that land in the ancient part of Rome Um, it's it's set up high you can see the forum that from there you can see the Colosseum and it's up high and it was the residence of the Caesars and that's where Nero had his garden parties where Christians were doused with tar set aflame there is it's in it's undoubtable historically speaking that there were people who this letter this word was preached to them by the apostle Paul bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse and they understood him to mean bless Nero in that moment rather than curse him. I can't comprehend that. I cannot even exhort people to that because I haven't faced it and won't. Yep. I can't imagine that. Even as you stand firm and profess Jesus as Lord, even as they were about to be set fire, they had the chance to say, no, 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 Caesar's Lord, Nero, your Lord. And they still said, Jesus is Lord, and Paul says, and yet. Bless the, those who persecute you. One of the most... Uh, impactful and formational books that I read as I was developing my own faith was the uh, Fox's book of martyrs really which um, oh friends as you read story after yeah as you read story after story from from as early as the the disciples of Jesus all the way to modern times yes an er, a Christian historian Mm -hmm. I mean it it's written it was written like in medieval or, or uh, enlightenment times. There's a little bit of over-acceptance of legendary aspects to the story, but sure. the roots are historical. Friends, you, Fox, F-O-X-E, mm-hmm. Fox's Book of Martyrs. And, and the main thing that you see time after time in these stories, which and there have been other versions that are more modern that are very verifiable mm-hmm. stories mm-hmm. that um, you just see time and again 
there's like a uh there's like a supernatural holy spirit peace mm-hmm. that you see uh that witnesses see falling on these people that mm-hmm. there there are executions all the time in the ancient world that set apart even the followers of Christ based on mm-hmm. what Paul is exhorting them to here, which is, was like, it was like a, an extraordinary proof and evidence of the, the truth of who God was. Now, if I had included that in my sermon or, or made a bigger deal out of that, I chose not to speak on that one. But if I had, we would have had a, a humor, intense Pastor Mike step into the edge of the stage with his toes edge of his shoe out over the corner looking you in the eye looking you in the eye online and saying (laughs) and you (laughs) are tempted to indulge your flesh and curse those with whom you're divided from on opinions of disputable matters politically how dare you And, and then I would turn my finger around and say how dare I I mean, really, mm-hmm. when you think about those early Christians. Okay, let's move on. Yep. I'm starting to get preachy. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, this one, I'm going to poke the bear. Can I poke the bear? Let's do it. This was the reason why I just went ahead and skipped to the end, because I was either going to get to this point, and it would have been a major one or not, and I did not make the time for it. Um, and so this one is, um, uh, do not be conceited. Verse 26, the end of verse 20, do not be conceited. And here's where I was led in my preparation. And, and it's okay if you disagree with me, Harrison. Um, although you're such a nice guy, you, you always keep that to yourself. Um, others of you do not keep it to yourself. And I appreciate that. You need to keep me honest. I'm not omniscient. <laughs> Only God. Do not, okay, do not be conceited. Literally what this means, the word uh, that Paul uses as a facet of the law of love. This is how, in other words, conceit would lead to disharmony in our church. Not being conceited would lead to more unity um, in our thesis for this. Uh, this means, But literally the word conceited means being wise in your own eyes. The New Living Translation translates it this way. Don't be a know-it-all. <laughs> um, don't have an opinion that is 100% right in your own eyes. Now, let me back up to anyone who didn't hear the sermon. Remember the first point. Paul's first word is uh, uh, be sincere in your love. Mm-hmm. And, and so own your opinion. This doesn't mean, what I'm about to say doesn't mean don't have a strong opinion. Don't think your opinion is right. We need to in our conscience before the Holy Spirit, have our convictions and live them on indisputable matters, which is the law of love, and disputable matters, which are things, things, issues in the world that are not a black and white in the Bible. Uh, so, um, let me apply this to unity over division in the church. For example, let's say you're a progressive-leaning Christian, and you only listen to MSNBC for your news. You're either a check-it-once-in-a-while person, the news, or you're a have-it-on-all-day-working-at-home-obsessed news person, and you only listen to MSNBC. Or, let's say you're a politically conservative-leaning Christian, and you only listen to Fox News for your news. 
when you check it once in a while, or if you're an obsessed person, you have it on all day at home. Uh, a friend of mine said <laughs> he's trying so hard to get his retired parents who are elderly and in their 70s, they have Fox News on all day. And so they're whatever's they're fired up about, they're always fired up about something. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say that's you. Uh, I, I watch both of them at times. Uh, you all have heard me say that before. I, I feel like that's part of my job. In order to be hospitable to you and your spiritual journey, whichever stream you come from, um, I do that as a professional, quite frankly, Harrison. I believe that's that makes me, uh, it helps me. Um, I watch them both times. And what's most relevant here is when you get not to the news, but the opinion commentators. After a while, quite frankly, what Paul says here is do not be conceited. Regarding their point of view on everything, uh, and particularly their negative view of the other candidate, after the, the, politi- the opinion commentators are conceited, frankly, and wise in their own eyes. And, and this is, I'm not critiquing any one of them individually. Sure. They, they know that they're boiling complex matters down to the mindless simplicity of Luke versus Vader. They're boiling down very complex policy matters and important philosophical debates to Harry Potter versus Voldemort, everything clear good versus evil. And, and so here's my contention. Okay, this is not an essential interpretation. Just let me go there for a second. My opinion is if you only consume one of those, all and only, I think you're really going to be in danger of violating this principle of love and action and be conceited about your views. But here's the thing. It won't be your view. It'll be the view spoon-fed to you. Hmm. But people who really care... They are committed to their point of view, but their but their bosses have a cynical reason. I think that's a protection against conceit. Uh, so here's what I suggest, and I'm doing myself. It's been helpful for me. My community group leader put me onto a website called What is it? Did you look it up? I, I don't want to get this wrong. I I think it's. Shoot, let me Google it. I th- <laughs> I looked it up. While you look up the name of it, yes. uh, uh, it's, a, it's a website that uh, is, is well attested as an authority, okay, for act, and it, it gives a big infographic, and I was going to put this on screen for you on Sunday, and it gauges the, the political bent of news sites and sources, and it gauges which ones are centrist and generally trying to not lean right or left which ones lean conservative that's it what's the website this one says allsides.com there's a media yes, bias chart it. they have allsides.com i've researched them they are everything every category they have i'm not going to vouch for 100% but generally they are well trusted and they put a, they have a center column you can look at google the, and look at their infographic right now allsides.com they have a lean right, a lean left news source, and then way left, way right. And I, here's what I'm choosing to do. You just check that out. I am choosing. I, now, I read a lot of news. And so I check at least something from two centrist sources 
daily. When I check, there's some days I don't. When I check news sources, I want to check two in the centrist, two in the lean right, two in the lean left. Now, most opinion pieces are, are in the farthest right or left, and mm-hmm. I read both from time to time. It's really important to me, Harrison. It's helped me, even when I preached the Romans 14 sermon on disputable matters, which was a very passion point for me, and it wore me the heck out. And it's why I retreated into biblical scholarship last Sunday, mm-hmm. <laughs> just to be honest. But it's why I was able to genuinely say and love and respect the viewpoint of the farthest right and left. I've been reading them in, in their own words, and there's genuine rationale by some of them, some not. Some people are just pure conspiracy theorists, and they've given their mind over to insanity. Yep. Um, uh, but uh, that's what I do. And so uh, here's an example. A, a ministry partner here turned me on to... I was, we were talking about this, and he said, you know, the, my favorite source on the right is a, a, a news source started by some respected uh, philosophical political thinkers on the right called The Dispatch. Harrison, that's become a really great trusted news source for me. The Dispatch, you guys can, I recommend it to you. If you want to read some news from the, that's lean right, not way far right, and it's and it's it's oriented toward those who are thinking about political philosophy, um, not just issue by issue. I I, I find that one interesting. Um, and so, uh, if you read about a political event or a politician from three points of view, I think that makes a person. Now, again, I'm probably sounding conceited myself for this practice, and I apologize. I want to, but this is I, sometimes. As a pastor, I'm just called to say, here's what I'm, how I'm trying to practice this, and you can either appreciate that or not. But uh, it, when you read about a, uh, an event or a person from three points of view or an issue, I think you're therefore actually more informed. You're not, if you're only reading far right or far left, you're actually missing out on a lot of data. Mm-hmm. And because if you read the three, you can actually get down to what did someone actually say, and that's a fact. That's not hype. It's not fake. What do they actually say, and and what is some indisputable data, and then you can, then you come to your own informed view in your conscience before the Holy Spirit, in light of God's mercy and according to the amount of passion He's given you for that area of values. Um, but I think mostly it can help you and I not engage with others in the body of Christ in a conceited conceited manner, which Paul says is unloving. And ain't right. Yeah, I think that I think that's true. In, I mean, you you see it even in the church in matters that have nothing to do with politics, in matters of, uh, in matters of theology or or finer points of what we believe as Christ followers. You'll you'll see, um, you'll see people just, uh, get entrenched and they get contentious and so convinced mm-hmm. that the the thing they're holding on to is correct when. Um, it, it may not be as essential as it feels like to you because you have made something a, 
uh, a foundation block that doesn't really belong at that level, you know, and it's hard to figure out what's which ones are which. I've told folks that when we were starting the church, somewhere around the year 2000, 2001, I unsubscribed from Christianity Today magazine. It's a great magazine. Uh, but I was, that was a time in my life, Harrison, I was overly tempted to get in arguments with other Christians about non-essential matters. Mm-hmm. And the magazine tempted me to do that more and go down a rabbit hole. And I realized uh, there's people who don't know Jesus and that's more important focus for me and discipling those who are Christians rather than intramural disputes with other believers about indisputable matters. So I resigned from that magazine, not because I didn't like the mat. I actually liked it too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've thought about re okay, let's finish with this one. Let's do it. We'll jump to, I uh, skipped a few more uh, that I planned to skip and here's the last one I'll hit today on the contrary. So don't be conceited on the contrary. If your enemy and I'm going to call enemy your ideological opposite on the matters fa- dividing America today. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to... Is that fair? Sure, sure. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If she is thirsty, give her something to drink. And doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. <laughs> the imagery of heaping burning coals, by the way, there was an Egyptian aphorism that this was combined with. And it it was this. If you're... Uh, it, it was an accepted phrase, like when we, I don't know what a phrase is, we will say like, oh, don't cry over spilled milk. Mm-hmm. It was a saying like that in Egypt, and, and then it spilled over in, into the ancient Middle East. And um, it was that if your fire went out in your house, Harrison, um, man, what kind of a man lets the fire go out in his house? You have to go to your neighbor, you have to take your bowl, mm-hmm. go to your neighbor's house. They have to give you some of their embers. And then in Egypt, you've seen National Geographic or historical pictures. You carry stuff on your head. It's done in cultures today. And so then you have the walk of shame. Mm. (laughs) All the neighbors, you think of how closely people lived in that society. Yeah. All the neighbors see you walking back to your house with the coals on your head because you didn't take care of your stuff. Mm. You you let your stuff go out. Yep. (laughs) I love that image. And I'm sorry I didn't get to preach a Sunday. And so if your political or racial views or mask or not mask enemy is in need and you give them something, it's like they're the opposite of you and you've been watching what they tweet and Facebook. And then they show up at your front door and like, hey, man, I let my fire go out. I need some coals. You cheerfully, lovingly give it to them. Mm-hmm. And and then they're the one who has to endure the walk of shame. Wow, that, that person who I probably was demonizing also because I saw their Twitter and Facebook. Yep. They loved me in the law of love, in the way of Jesus, in view of God's mercy. I want to be thoughtful. What does that mean for me? What does that mean for you, hmm. our listeners? Um to feed and water, give what's needed to those who maybe feel like an enemy in this. Um, yeah, I like it. Uh, that's that's there. 
We did an overly long sermon and an overly long podcast on the 25 paranesis of Romans 12. <laughs> no, that's, that's fun stuff, though. That's fun stuff. I, I mean, I'm, I'm like you, Mike. I enjoy, uh, I enjoy digging into a, a passage of Scripture, and there's something refreshing about it. So thanks for doing that. It's kind of a, it, uh, it's kind of a, 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 just a breath of fresh air sometimes just to take a step back and say, you know what, it, un, unpack what, God's word just straight up has to say about something. So it's, it's a nice, like, yeah, I mean, I'm thankful for my, that this is what I get to do for my job. I I have a lot of stuff that I do in my work, but my day, one full day a week set aside for sermon study, which is Wednesdays, mostly except for podcast recording. I get to just fall back into God's word and study it and read what other people have written about it and said about it. It's one of the greatest privileges of my work and my life, and I'm, I'm grateful that you, friends, you set me aside to do that. Um, and, yeah, I'm always I'm accountable to, to all of you, and I'm always uh, open to feedback. Good stuff. Thank you guys for hanging with us again. Uh, we'll be back at it here soon on the Ask LFC podcast. Hope you guys have a great week. We will see you this weekend. See some people get baptized. Mm -hmm. All right. See you guys.